Well, hey, everyone. Hope that you are doing well. We are jumping into a new series this week entitled Manger to Majesty. It's a short two-week Christmas series, which is absolutely ridiculous because the story of Christmas has so much beauty in it, and we could probably fill months with uh, just the principles and the, um, the message of Christmas. But we're just going to take two simple weeks. And this week, we're going to look at the classic Christmas story, or at least part of the classic Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. What I want to do is I want to start and I want to read all of Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20, because I think the whole passage read in full paints a really beautiful picture. And then we'll jump into some more specific things. So Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a, degree, a decree that a consensus should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were... St- While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, we have this beautiful picture of the the Christmas story, the, the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus, and these shepherds who get introduced to the heavenly host, and then get to meet Jesus. We're going to jump back in to verses 4 through 7, and we'll uh, pull out some more specific details here. So verses 4 through 7 says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We'll most likely talk about this a little bit more in depth next week, but I think that this is is beautiful, that, that God continues to use people that the world would least expect. The Old Testament is littered with messy people that God uses for incredible things. David, who's Joseph's ancestor, was king, but he was also an adulterer. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute, and so many more were used to propel the kingdom of God forward. Mary was a pregnant teenager who was pledged to be married, not married yet, pledged to be married. Society would have looked down on both her and Joseph for continuing this relationship, and yet 
This is where the Savior of the world would come from, which leads us to our first point this week. Person over perception. Person over perception. I just want to make two quick points on this. One, if we consider consider ourselves followers of Jesus, perception does matter when it comes to ourselves. We need to be people who others can look at and say, wow, something is different about them. The way they love, the way they serve, the way they engage with culture is unique. We are undoubtedly so broken, and we're not trying to fool anybody into thinking we're perfect. Fake is fake, and, and people will point that out in a heartbeat. But perception matters because we want people to feel comfortable approaching us and asking us what we're all about. If you say that you love Jesus, love Jesus. That's, that's the best way to give your testimony is to just do the thing that you say that you do. Love Jesus. The closer others get to you, the more opportunities you will have to prove it, the more opportunities you will be able to tell them why you love Jesus and how Jesus loves you and how he's changed your life. See, we also want to make sure that we avoid being people that cause people to avoid us because of their perception of us. That they say, well, they say that they love Jesus, but they sure don't act like they love Jesus. Or they say this is really dear to them, but it doesn't seem like it's dear to them. Or they say that they're holding other people to these standards or themselves to these standards, but man, it sure doesn't seem like they're too worried about it. We want to make sure that we are not people who avoid us because of their perception of us. So the, the perception does matter. There, I, I will always come back to, to this this interaction I had with, with a dear, dear man in my life, and, and he deeply cares about discipleship and, and raising up the next generation. He, he speaks words of affirmation um, in incredible ways, and I just have a ton of respect for him. And he met with both young guys and young girls in public, and this woman approached me and said, hey, I, I need you to know that I saw this older man meeting with one of your female students and it was just the two of them in a coffee shop and they seemed like like they were kind of on a date and I knew that that wasn't true but I was I was new I was a, a early a young pastor I still am a young pastor but I, I still I was I was just a baby in this whole leadership thing and and I had to pull him aside and I said hey like I need you to know that like there's this perception that you are meeting with young girls and there's just something inappropriate happening and I know that's not your heart and I know that's not what's happening but the perception is and is this and he kind of responded well I don't really care what other people's perceptions are like I know my heart I know why I'm doing this I know why I feel called to do this and I'm like okay yeah like yes you know I know and that's great but people started avoiding the interactions with him because their perception was that he was inappropriately meeting with young girls, and it affected his leadership. It affected the way that he was able to do things. And I think that it was a really clear moment for me to understand, okay, perception does matter. Like, I know my heart. Like, I know what I'm about, and I know my intentions and all those things, but not everybody else does. So I need to go over the top to make sure that my intentions are really, really clear with all the people that I get to interact with because I don't want somebody to avoid me because their perception is something else. Now we can't, can't control everything. Like we have to be who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do. And like other people's perceptions are, are just that and it's their opinions and they have every right to come and like ask questions and all those things. But at the same time, we need to be really, really conscious of the decisions that we're making and not be reckless with those things. So perception matters. Perception does matter when it comes to ourselves. 
But secondly, we have to be willing to truly get to know people no matter what our perception of them is. We show a ton of grace by giving people the benefit of the doubt. Don't let your perception of someone cause you to miss out on an opportunity to love them like Jesus. People are not our perception. People are people. People are dearly and fully loved by Jesus. And this is where we get to ask God to help us see others like he sees them. Because our humanity will cause us to discount the value of people, discount the soil of their lives and say, like, I don't think they want to hear about Jesus. And we, we write people off and we create these perceptions and we don't allow Jesus to be Jesus in those situations. So we say, Lord, help me see them like you see them. Help me speak the words that you would want me to speak. You don't have to be the overly aggressive Christian guy or the Christian girl. <laughs> like You can just love Jesus and let people know that that's a huge part of your life. And through your actions and the way that people see you step into those actions— Man, you're going you're gonna to evangelize in incredible ways. We will be used by God despite what others think of us. And God will use others no matter what our perception of them is. We all need to get out of our own way. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12 go on to say this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good, noise, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find, him a ba- find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. So the second point is this, for all people, for all people. The Jewish people had been waiting thousands of years for this moment, a Messiah, of Jewish heritage, coming to save the Jewish people. It was in their histories, and they knew it by heart. But from the very beginning of the announcement, God makes it clear that this Savior isn't just for one nation, but all nations. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tend to nod in agreement when I hear that. I'm like, yes, it's for everything. But I fail to live it out practically in my own life. It has nothing to do with nations. Like, I, I know that Jesus is for all nations, what it applies more to is individual people. Like, Don't get me wrong. I truly want every single person on earth to know Jesus. But there are moments where my humanity fights against that. I had an interaction about two months ago, um, maybe longer. Uh, it, it was right after the mask mandate came into play here in Montana. And uh, I was at Target, and they have this little stand, and there's like this 16-year-old girl at the stand, and... There's a guy walking in front of me. He has no mask on, and I'm walking in with with a mask on. And, and he walks in, and before he gets to the booth, this this sweet little 16-year-old girl goes, oh, sir, I'm so sorry, but uh, per the governor's mandate, we're asking that everyone wears a mask in our stores. And he loses his mind. He starts cussing at her up and down, that she's infringing on his rights, all of these different things. I mean, F-words and oh, just just awful, awful stuff. And I walk up to him and I put my hand on his shoulder. I'm, I'm behind him. I put my hand on his shoulder and he whips around and looks me straight in the, straight in the eyes and says, F you. And I was like, you need to go now. And he's like, well, they lose my business. And I was like, I'm sure they'll be fine. Like Target's a multi-billion dollar industry, I think, or company. They'll be fine. And 
there's this like this part where I'm like, man, he needs Jesus. But he he was about to meet Jesus face to face. Like I was about to kill this guy. I was so mad. I was so angry. And in that moment, I was just like, this this guy doesn't deserve Jesus. Right? This this broken, messy, angry person does not deserve the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And either do I. You see, it's easy for us to become people who accept that Jesus loves the people that we love. But we struggle with the fact that Jesus loves those that we find it hard to love. In this season, I think a challenge that we could take upon ourselves is to be a community and individuals that intentionally love those that we have a hard time with. Maybe in a year that has been unlike anything that we have ever experienced, we could love like nobody has ever experienced. That's going to take a lot of us dying to ourselves and our own humanity, and we're going to have to be willing to put our own stuff aside and let the Lord lead us towards all people, the ones that we have a really easy time loving and we know that like we want them to know the love of Jesus and the ones that we have a really hard time with and say, man, I hope I never see you again when really what I should say is, man, you need Jesus, and I hope you find him. And I think it's important that we understand this too, that all people means us as well. Maybe you are listening today and you can get on board with the message of Christ being for everyone else, but it's hard to believe that it is for you. I've been there. I've been able to look at the people in my life and and culture and all those different things and say, like, yeah, I get it. Like, Jesus is for them, but not me. Like, I've done too much. I've messed up too frequently. I've been a fake, like whatever it may be. It's hard for us to understand that we are included, that when God sent a message for all people, he meant you and he meant me and he meant kings of the world and he meant shepherds on a hillside. The Christmas message is a declaration of qualification, a message of joy to all people. It is God saying, I choose you, all of you. Luke goes on to say in verses 13 through 16, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the question would be this, are we ready to go? The shepherds, lowly in earthly position, get a heavenly calling. They could have easily hesitated, but they hurried off to do exactly what God asked them to do. Would we do the same? Or would we walk through all the excuses that that we can come up with as to why we shouldn't be the people to find Jesus? Like, why broken, messy people like us? Like, why would we be the people that this angel is asking to follow Jesus? Like, I feel like if I was in the shepherd's position, I'd be like, no, like, I belong here on the hillside with the dirty animals. Somebody of more renown, somebody more esteemed, they, they can find the savior of the world. Like, I'll just stay here. You see, we don't know a lot about these shepherds, but we do know that they were readily obedient. So are we? Are we ready to go? Are we readily obedient? I think that that this Christmas season, unlike any others, provides opportunities to love and serve others, but we can really only do that if we're ready to do so. 
So as we start the month of December, maybe we should stop looking at the wrapping up of another year, especially this year, like 2020 can go away. But we stop looking at it as wrapping up another year and we start looking at it as the beginning of a season of opportunity. It might be pushing somebody out of a snowdrift. It might be paying for a coffee. It might be getting together with friends and providing gifts for a family who can't afford them. It all starts with listening for God to prompt us towards something or someone. Are we ready? Are we ready to go? Are we readily obedient? Verses 17 through 20 go on to say, when they had seen him, when they had seen Jesus, when they had met Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The last point this week is spread the word. Something that that I think is important for us to understand is that shepherds are often looked at or were looked at in culture as being on the fringe of society. They were most likely uneducated and very possibly illiterate. Like, Think about this. After 400 years of silence between the last words of the Old Testament and the first words of the New Testament, the only people to know about the birth of Jesus were Joseph, Mary, and shepherds. Joseph, Mary, a pregnant teenager outside of wedlock, and shepherds. It is unlikely and doesn't fit the narrative that we would create. But God always goes against the grain. These shepherds heard the good news. They obeyed, and then they told everyone they knew about it. Even if their words weren't to be trusted in their culture, like they weren't even allowed to testify or, or, or do anything in court. Like they were fringe people. They didn't care. They had to share it. And I think it poses two questions. One, are we willing to speak about what we have experienced? If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus like I do, am I willing to talk about Jesus? Am I willing to talk about what I've experienced because of my faith in Christ? The second question would be this. Are we willing to listen to what others have experienced? No matter who they are or where, where they came from or if they're on the fringe of our society, like this goes back to perception, but not just our own perception, but societal and cultural perception. Do we understand that everyone in the kingdom of God has something to offer? Every single person's story matters. Every single person's words matter. Are we willing to listen to what others have experienced and tell others what we have experienced? The Christmas season is just different. There's a tangible difference between the next 25 days and the rest of the year. My prayer is that we would make the most of it. Hey, thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. We'll be back next week with part two of our Christmas series, Manger to Majesty. We'd love for you to tune in. If you are in Billings, we would love to have you here next week. Um, we meet at 7 o'clock at Faith Chapel. After next week, we have a Christmas party the following week, and then we're taking a couple weeks off. But if you are in town for the next couple weeks, come hang out with us if you're comfortable in person. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you really soon.